how are you having all this success? And I'm thinking, like, I think I'm going to go broke because I can't pay my mortgage. But social media is about perception. Now, I was just on it. I wasn't dishonest showing a house when I wasn't. But social media, so many people are scrolling and lurking. I get messages probably twice a month from people I went to college with 15 years ago. They do not like, comment, interact, anything. They're just lurking and scrolling. And they will say to me, hey, can you help us buy or sell a house? I sure freaking can. And I didn't even beg for you to come find yep. me. You just see my stuff. You're listening to Ice Cream with Investors, a podcast that is dedicated to teaching you how to better invest your money so that you can live a more intentional life. I'm your host, Matt Four, and it is my goal to teach and empower you to remove the roadblocks to your financial success. All right, John, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. I'm honored to be here. And I'll just say, whenever I do an interview like this, I want to start by just thanking you for what you're doing. I know that I have a podcast as well. It often can feel like a thankless job. Thank you for what you're doing to help investors, to help people with thoughts about real estate. And I think the topic is really cool. Ice cream with investors is a cool way to combine talking about real estate investing in like a fun way. So thank you for what you're doing to help people. And thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's been one of the funnest journeys, most funnest journeys ever that I've been on hosting this <laughs> podcast. So I appreciate you saying that. Absolutely. But we like to start with a difficult question. So what's your favorite ice cream? Cookies and cream. Yes. We've got some cookies and cream downstairs right now, actually. So good. <laughs> yeah. Do you? Are you a toppings guy or? I'm not. I'm so boring. <laughs> the only topping I ever put on anything is like ketchup on stuff. I don't dip stuff. So not on ice cream, obviously, but uh, no, I just, I'll just eat it right out of the carton. Just like that, man. I love it. I love it. You're near Hershey, Pennsylvania. So I thought you were going to go somewhere Hershey. Yeah, no, I did not. But, and actually it's funny because I prefer Turkey Hill ice cream. I hope the people at Hershey don't hear this, but anyway. Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. John, tell our listeners, what's the scoop? What do you do today? Yeah, absolutely. So what I do today, things are shifting a little bit for me. Most of what I do is residential real estate. I'm a realtor here in Lancaster, PA. Basically, a lot of what I've done is helping clients buy and sell properties. I've been a realtor three years in each uh, fate. Every year I add something. So last year I added a podcast to help realtors. This year I added a membership community for realtors. And now right the last six months, and I'm sure we'll get into our financial journey. The last six months, we paid off our house. A lot of investors say we're crazy. Me and you were talking before we started recording about it's half math, half emotion. So for us, it was like a hard thing to pay that off. It was a two and a half interest rate. Part of me sometimes regrets it, <laughs> but we did it. Went down to Dave Ramsey in late November, did our debt-free screen, but I'm actually shifting. And the more I'm in, and the reason I say that is the more I'm in real estate, the more I'm like, the longer you're in it, the more you start working with investors and I'm thinking about rentals, Airbnbs, and I've been like, I would have done it differently. We're glad we did it. So now I'm shifting. I'm probably, I'm different than most of your guests who are already investing because I've had a crazy journey and I'm getting into the investing now, starting to really do a lot of research before we jump at a property or opportunity. But that's what I do, man. And it's been a ton of fun. Basically, until four years ago, I was in any W-2 job that you could imagine. And so nine to five job, never could stick in a job. And it wasn't really until I found real estate that I really found my niche. And I absolutely love what I do for my clients. And then now with the podcast and membership, the realtors that I coach, and I love helping you know investors as they think about their first property and try to run numbers with them, try to make them understand and assume worst case scenario, do the numbers on this property still make sense, right? Yep. We don't want to 
We don't want to expect it to be like a Cinderella story where your Airbnb is booked out 99% of the time. Let's look at worst case scenario. And if the numbers still look really good there, then, hey, this is probably a good opportunity for you to jump into. So that's how things have shifted. It's a lot of fun. Love what I do and the clients I get to serve. And it's been a crazy journey. Yeah, I want to get into your journey on the real estate side. But before we get there, we were talking about this uh, Dave Ramsey experience that you went on. So I'll start there. Two and a half percent interest rates would obviously say that math, you should hold that property for as long as you can and basically never pay a dollar over what you're required to pay. But Mm -hmm. then there's the emotion side of it. I think your story was that you were having a child or right in the middle of having your first child, second child Mm -hmm. at the time and decided to go on that journey. So first of all, let's start with what did your situation look like at the time? Yes. And I shared briefly about all these W-2 jobs. So February 26, 2019, I'll always be scarred by the day. I lost my last W-2 job. From that point, and this is like the 30-second version, right? But I got started to get my real estate license that summer, continued for applying for nine to five jobs at banks. I was in a, I was in banking at the time. No one would hire me. So from February 26, 2019, when I lost my last W-2 job to June of 2020, I made in real estate. So I got licensed officially that August 2019, did not sell my first property till April. And then June was my second settlement. I think it was $10,000. And so a lot of us were, you know, we're huge people of faith. And I feel like God really blessed us because we we survived. My wife was making 35 grand. We somehow made it. And then the cool part was, it's nice to look back now, but it was hard. The cool part was we were so broke. We just lived off my wife's income. We just made it work on the 35, 40 grand a year, right? And then when I started making good money, then we were like, oh, we can just save money or pay, put this towards the house. I'm a spender, right? And if any, and many of your audience probably know Dave Ramsey and don't like a lot of his things. What I do think Dave Ramsey says that is good is like not having consumer debt, right? You know, this device right here, right? The iPhone, the Apple watch, the Apple, everything. I always had the latest and greatest. I would put it on a credit card. I would buy this. And while I don't necessarily agree with what he says about real estate, right? Because even if you have a 5% interest rate on your home, but you could invest the cash you have to a hard money lender for 10%, the numbers make sense to invest the money. But what I do think is so many people, even in real estate, and I see this so much as I coach realtors, they're buying this, buying that. And I'm like, how are you paying for this? Like, oh, I'm just putting it on a credit card. And so that is where I think his program is amazing for people. I'm not good with money right? I never was when my wife met me. Oh, at uh, I think we were about 27 years old, about seven years ago. When we both met, I had worked 12 years and I had nothing to show for it. I had nothing. I still remember the first 2014, the year I met her, we met in November. That December, I remember on Christmas Eve, basically trying to buy Christmas presents and hoping I had enough money in the account. And so I think so much of what I've done is built from pain. So we paid off the house and maybe the numbers didn't make sense, but we were like, we want our primary residence free and clear. I've created a six-figure income in real estate, but God forbid something happens and the market crashes, whatever, at least our house is paid off. And yeah, it's been a wild journey, but I think I'm always going to have that pain of remembering that, that Christmas that she met me, realizing I had $300 in my bank account trying to buy all these gifts and hoping card didn't decline. And that's just how I managed money. I just wasn't good at it. Now, of course, I've shifted a lot in the last six, seven years, but I always want to, and I would encourage your audience, whether you're investing and you have one property or a hundred, always remember what got you there. 
right? My journey is so much filled with built from pain. I never want to forget what that was like. I never want to forget even getting married, having an apartment for $800 a month and making 70K total and being like, where's all our money going? We were eating yep. out, we were buying stuff. So that's the journey. It's And that's why I'm so passionate about not having consumer debt. I've heard of like debt snowball, debt avalanche, and all these different terms out there. Where did you all start? Because it was more than just your primary residence, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, a thousand percent. So basically, we threw our church at the time. Someone talked about Dave Ramsey. I was always, and meant, some of you listening to this, you're the spouse that is always like dragging your feet. That was me. So she wanted me to get involved. She's like, let's go to this class. I'm like, oh, fine, I'll go. So we went. And I was not interested. And I think she did a really good job at being patient, but she just showed me the numbers. I think actually in the apartment, we were there probably a year or two, we wanted to buy a house. And she's, that's great. Look at the numbers. Here's the budget. Here's what we make. Here's what we spent. At the worst of it, we probably spent a thousand bucks a month eating out like every night. Now we were two two young married people. So we didn't cook. We didn't, you know, and so yes, the debt that we had paid off was my college. I owed about a 30 to $50,000. I think about closer to 30. So $30,000 there. When I met her, I just bought a car. I owed about 15,000 there credit card debt, probably another 15, 20,000. So basically like Dave says on the show, all the stupid, right. And that's where I'm like, I don't, Hey, if you're buying properties and they cash flow, but you're getting a mortgage, hey, great. I will not say don't do that. They might. And that's where I disagree a little good bit. But I would say don't be taking out loans to buy car. I firmly believe. And Matt, I want to buy I want to drive a Tesla one day so bad. I hope and my hope and prayer is that like I would pay cash. Right. And that means saving up a lot of cash. But I feel like for anything that's depreciating asset. I'm not going to finance that, right? A home appreciates in value. A mobile home, a car depreciates. I don't want to finance those things. So yeah, it was basically all the debt you could imagine. Before we shift into our next portion of this conversation, I think there are people out there that are listening that want their spouse or partner to be on board with their financial journey, whether that's investing in real estate, starting your own business, doing whatever, but they seem to struggle with that conversation. What kind of best practices would share with us being on the other side of that, the person that was resistance on how your wife's message was able to get through to you so that you would be able to receive it? I love this question. And actually, right before we went to Dave Ramsey's studio in Nashville, I had her on my podcast and she did not want to do it for the longest time. But I said, people want to hear your side of this journey. And so I asked her at that time, what was it like? And she's like, I knew you were stubborn. I knew that I had to be patient. I knew that if I forced you to do this, you were just going to quit or hide money behind my back. And of course, that's not healthy in a marriage. And she really learned from the courses from Dave Ramsey, like the free spirit and the spender. I was the spender. So I remember even talking to her about spending money. And she's okay, let's do $50. And I was like, a day, a week, and she's a month. And I'm like, I love going to the movies. I'm like, that's who trips to the movies at a popcorn. And so what she had to learn at the beginning, the eating out budget, the spending money was a lot more than she wanted, but at least we were tracking it. Even if it was $300 a month, at least we're tracking it. And she, man, she was, she's a saint. She was so patient. She just supported, encouraged me, prayed for me and let it go. It took, I think from the time we first started in the class, 
to when I actually was like, all right, I'm on board. It was probably about six to 12 months. It was a lot. And then once I was on Matt, I was like listening to the Dave Ramsey podcast every day at work. It was like this switch that went off because I knew we're wasting money. And so so I would encourage if your spouse is not on board, you need to have a conversation with them and say, okay, what can we do? So for those of you that are investors and your your wife or husband is doesn't want to do it, they might be saying to you or vice versa, okay, if we want to invest in this property, we can't be buying cars and this and iPhones and this. So where everything in a relationship is give and take. What are you willing to give? What are you willing to take? I know as I think about investing, and I think I told you before we started recording, I'm like up here in the clouds. So she's got to pull me down. So if I really want her to be on board, like this is the reverse now, if I want her to be on board with the investing, I need to say, here are the numbers. Here's why it makes sense. Here's the cash flow. Here's the appreciations over the next year, five years, 10 years, and show her the numbers, right? She needs to see the numbers to feel confident in it. But in terms of the debt-free, man, you got to be patient with your spouse. I do think one of the great things about Dave's program is he talks about the free spirit and the spender. So usually one of you is a spender and one's a free spirit. So the spender can't say to the person who wants to save, oh, no, you have to spend this money. Just like the saver can't say, oh, you're not allowed to spend money. You got to Everything's about balance. So where yep. can you support each other and find balance? Yeah, I like how you just said, if you want to get to her on investment, you have to give her the details where she had to pull you down a little bit because I'm one of my big philosophies is meet people where they are. And you're yes. framing up this conversation that people come at different problems from different angles and you need to come at it from that same angle if you want to make an impact. I said last question, but last question, I promise. Did you have an area in your budget where you said, okay, this is my spending area? We can cut here and here, but this area is where I care about and I'm not going to feel bad about spending money here. Yeah, I think so. I am. And maybe these are silly examples, but I hope they help people. I really love and I've tried to stop drinking it because it's terrible for you. I really love Pepsi and I really love going to the movies, like I mentioned. So I had movie pass back in the day. Now I have the Regal Unlimited. So she didn't say don't go to the movies. She's yeah, you can spend $200 a year on the unlimited plan because it's going to save you money in the long run. And I think the soda is a good example because it's going to sound like an exaggeration, but I promise you it's not. My dad lives about 30 minutes away. Her parents live about 20 minutes away. I would get in the car and go to their house and stop halfway for a cold soda. (laughs) Because I got to have it. Yeah, I grew up that like you, you're driving, you stop for a snack and a cold drink. So what she said was like, okay, how about we get them at the grocery store where they're 50 cents a piece instead of their $2 each time you buy one at the convenience store. So I think there was balance. She didn't say, nope, you may not buy soda. She said, let's just buy it in in bulk at Sam's or BJ's or buy it in a six pack at the grocery store. And so I think that's where she gave me freedom. And so if you want your spouse on board, they have to understand that they still have freedom. She didn't say don't buy soda. And I think too, I'll say with the spending money, I had a good amount at the beginning, right? 100 bucks, 200 bucks, whatever it was a month. I knew then once we committed to we're doing this together, the spending money is the spending money. If you're at work and it's January 1st and someone says, hey, do you want to get pizza today? It's January 1st. But if you're at January 25th, hey, you want to get pizza today? You're like, yeah, I've got. I just think it's about balance, right? You can go get a Red Bull or Pepsi every day at work at the Coke machine, whatever Pepsi machine, or you can realize, hey, I might a friend might want to go out to eat or go to a movie halfway through the month, I'm going to save that and not nickel and dime myself to death. Yep. No, I uh, bring that up because I have areas of my life where I'm not going to feel guilty about spending money. Travel, 
and wellness is basically my two buckets where I'm not going to feel guilty. Everywhere else, then that means that I have to sacrifice. I don't drive a great car. I don't live in a huge mansion and all those sorts of things. So that's why I asked that question. Yeah, awesome. Let's switch now into social media. So I think one of the things that you've really branded yourself around is helping people on their social media presence, specifically in the realtor space. Uh, Let's start this conversation at a high level. What's a good framework for somebody out there that's independent business owner or somebody's trying to get a presence online and build a brand that they should be looking at from a social media standpoint? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, Matt, is do not overwhelm yourself. Like you're going to hear some ideas here, be like, wait, he gets what kind of engagements and be like stressed out. Do what works for you. So many people come to me and they're like, should I be dancing on TikTok? Should I be on Reels? Should I be on YouTube Shorts? Should I be on LinkedIn? And I started, it's so simple, it's almost stupid. I'm like, what platform are you currently using? Facebook and Instagram are my main ones. So I think the biggest thing I'll say to people is use what you're already using. Don't go dancing on TikTok if you're not even on any social media platforms yet because people tell you that's what you need to be into. Don't you're going to stress yourself out. I have a great mentor, Vincent Puglisi, and I'm in a mastermind group with him. Someone was talking about their business. They were an Amazon seller. And he said, have you used your social media presence? He goes, no, nobody cares. And he said, and I'm still, I'll always remember this. He goes, you're being selfish. Mm -hmm. He goes, you're being selfish by not talking about your business. If you're listening to this, you probably think I just said the wrong word, like selfish. No, you're thinking the opposite. Normally, if you're listening to this, you're thinking when I talk about myself on social media, I'm being selfish. It's actually the opposite. So I'm here in Lancaster County, PA. There are 1,500 realtors in my county. When I don't talk about my business on social media, now I'm not saying every day, guys, but when I don't talk about it, some other realtor is going to. And I know other realtors, we all do, that will screw you over, that will not take care of you, that will not have honor and integrity. So by not sharing that I'm a realtor and talking about my business, I'm letting that person that is going to intentionally take advantage of you take your business. And that makes me angry. And I also, we talked, I'm so passionate about like my love for my wife and my two kids. So if I don't talk about my business, it's like I just let somebody take food off their plate. And that gives me chills because it makes me so mad. So what I would say is the people you're connected with on social media, they're your friend. That doesn't mean like, bombard them with, hey, you want to buy a house? You want to buy a house? You want to sell a house? You want to flip an investment property? But just share what you're doing. If you go and people can look up my name on Facebook, my account's public, so you don't have to be my friend to look, scroll through my Facebook and my Instagram. I do not beg anyone to buy a house. I share stories about my clients, like I'll share one today after this recording about a client that I helped buy an investment property. I tag them in the post. Thank you so much, Alex and Christine. And that's, I'm a storyteller. So if you're listening to this, you're not a realtor, you're not an investor, you're a storyteller. So what kind of stories are you telling, right? We shared our Dave Ramsey journey. Now we didn't say in 2020, hey, we're broke, feel bad for us. But when we had made it through, we shared that. Why? Because we think about our legacy and impact. We wanna help others. I wanted to share that journey. Hey guys, this is what we've been through. It was rough, it was hard, it was not easy. But let me tell you why getting on the same page about finances is great, why real estate's a great career. I still, even as the market shifted, I have never said anyone looking to buy a house, I just share stories. And for your audience, investors, right? They might say, I don't know what to share. 
What if you put on something like, hey, I'm looking to flip a property in, I'll just say Lancaster, PA, where I am. Someone might read that and they might say, oh, I didn't know Matt was flipping properties. I really don't want 40 people in my house in a weekend. I'd rather take less money to not deal with the stress. My spouse just died, et cetera. By you not putting yourself out there, they didn't even know what you do. And so that's my encouragement to everyone listening. Just tell stories. Be authentic. Matt, before we started recording you, I think one of the misses people have on social media is there's no phone number. If you go to my bio right now, you can text or call me. Don't because I'm on an interview right now, but you could text or call me right now. And so I want, in terms of the residential real estate with my clients and investors that I'm helping, I want them to be able to get a hold of me immediately. I want them to reach me. And so if you, let's say you're an investor listening to this, but no one can contact you on Facebook. Like you don't have your phone number there. They're going to have to Google you and try to, it's, that's low hanging fruit. Make it easy for someone to reach out to you. That's what I would say. And I would say, don't, I feel like I've said 50 things about social media. Don't get discouraged. When I started as a realtor, I posted on social media, posted open house, doing a showing. I made no money at that point. But over that first nine months of making no money, people would message me, wow, man, you're killing it in real estate. Wow, man, you're crushing it. How are you having all this success? And I'm thinking, like, I think I'm going to go broke because I can't pay my mortgage. But social media is about perception. Now, I was just on it. I wasn't dishonest showing a house when I wasn't. But social media, so many people are scrolling and lurking. And then when they now I still get I get messages probably twice a month from people I went to college with 15 years ago. They do not like comment, interact, anything. They're just lurking and scrolling and they will say to me, hey, can you help us buy or sell a house? I sure freaking can. And I didn't even beg for you to come find yep. me. You just see my stuff. Yeah. Towards the end of this year, I have in 2022, I have started posting more frequently and set it up in an automated way. And it's surprising to me how many people have reached out and said, hey, I'm looking to invest in real estate. I don't even know where to start. Can you help me get through this process? Or I'm a big Ironman triathlete. And when I was very competitive in the sport, people still ask me to this day that I haven't talked to in 10 years. Hey, are yep. you still doing Ironmans? When's your next race? And all that sort of stuff. So I think your point around people scrolling and monitoring is very impactful there. And can I just add real quick about social media? Interact with people. I feel like Steve Urkel from Family Matters when I do this, I feel like I put on my geeky ga geeky glasses. But look rewards you when you use their platform. So interacting, commenting, happy birthday, whatever. And you might think, how does happy birthday help me? I'm going to read you guys. This was today, actually yesterday. This is someone that I helped find a home about a year ago. And then they, yeah, they, it was actually 11, eight of 2021. They stopped looking. They said, we're going to take a break. I said, no problem. Hadn't talked to them. I said, happy birthday. Hope you're well. I said, thank you. And they said, thank you. I said, you're so welcome. Then an hour later, hey, I think we mentioned before we have an old house currently rented out. The tenant, they have a rent that expires at the end of 1231. I don't think they're going to renew. Here's the address. Would you be willing to help us sell it come January? They might not have even have remembered me from a year ago had I not just reached out with a simple happy birthday. Now, I didn't reach out to be like, oh, maybe they have business. But when you authentically care about people and just check in, say happy birthday, happy anniversary, just thinking of you, it will help your business. It will. Yeah, it's the drip. Just be present. The what does yep. Gary Gary right. Vaynerchuk say? Yeah, Gary left, v, left yeah. hook or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Jab jab hook or something mm -hmm. like that. What are you seeing in terms of platforms? So you mentioned that you're only on Facebook and Instagram. Have you ventured onto other platforms? How would you approach that situation knowing that you're on two platforms today and not on the other ones? 
Yeah. So one of my big goals for 2023 is to be on more video. I remember in my membership telling people a few months ago, hey, you guys need to be on video. You need to be on video. And they're like, no, we're just going to post photos on Instagram. If any of you have scrolled Instagram in the last couple months, it's Only like video. trying to pull teeth to even find photos. And so that's what I saw coming this year. Short form video really works. 30 to 60 seconds. A lot of people I know are doing it. If I were to do it, it'd be like, why should you buy a house in Lancaster, PA? in 2023. What are the best places to visit in Lancaster, PA? You want something catchy that people want to watch, not, hey guys, here's your market update. The rates are like, at least make it fun and exciting and pretend you want to be there. I had a great video expert, Ed Troxel, on my podcast a few months ago. And he said, you know what I would encourage your audience to do? Because I'm like, what equipment do you need? What this? He goes, right here, your cell phone, you have it. He's stop overcomplicating it. Just record with what you have. And he said, I would record 10 videos and leave them on your phone because you did the, And then eventually in a week, you'll come back and be like, that's not bad. I'll post it. Yeah. And here's my other thing, Matt, because video is so huge now. No one likes the way they look, <laughs> how they sound. So in our house, I will go downstairs from working. I'll go to show a house or whatever, meet a client. My wife will be listening to the podcast. And I'll be like, turn that crap off. I don't like listening to this, but thousands of people hear me every month. But once I release, once I send it to my editor, it's done and I don't touch it. And so my encouragement to all of you is no one likes the way they look, sound, etc. But if you're going to let that hold you back, again, you're being selfish. You're not letting people know about your business to decide if they want to work with you. And yeah, so- you're getting me jazzed up over here because sometimes when I'm just shooting a video, it's really hard just to see yourself up there. And I would say, so So you know what you do with that? If you're like that, boom, link up with a buddy. So Matt, you probably have a buddy and you both hate video and you're like, let's just film each, let's just do, okay, can you just video me? And there's a great app called Descript that I use for my podcast. You could get a little script, you could seri it out for two minutes of what you wanna say, put it in Descript and then read it, just read the highlights as you go, bold them and read the highlights. You could do that. It is not that hard. And I'm saying this as someone who doesn't do it, but knowing like this, if I want to take my business to the next level, I absolutely have to be on video. People want to do business with people that they know and trust. And so whether you're an investor out there or residential real estate or whatever business you're in, I would Google yourself. What are people finding? Is that headshot from 2012? I update my headshot quarterly. Why? It's stupid and a waste of money. Because I don't want someone coming to a meeting. If I think I'm fat or I don't like the way I face, I have this place on my face that's like discolored. Who cares? Because guess what? The people are going to see it in person regardless. Yep. And so if they're like, oh, he has that stupid spot. I don't like him. First of all, no one's like that. Like we all have things we don't like about ourselves. And it's an encouragement to me. Like I got nine fingers pointing back at me while one on all of you. Just start and just start recording videos and have a friend who if you throw a stick, you will hit someone that is like scared to record video. So just help each other. Hey, I'll record. You know, you want to do five reels? Sweet. I'll just record them, not have the camera facing you. Go start, stop, start, stop and then switch it. You could do it an hour. You could do it, it an hour. You really could. Yeah, I had someone on the show who's gotten very popular on Instagram over the past year, and that's exactly what he does. He has somebody come and film him with his phone and not forget the fact that your phone has more technology than the first Apollo missions did that sent people to the moon. So it's Wild. good enough. You don't yeah. need the 4K cameras and all that sort of stuff.
When I think, Matt, it relates so much to podcasting. When I started, I was like, I need this mic. I bought a $100 mic on Amazon, like a little, and it's the same mic I'm using today. I don't have 5 million downloads. I'm not Joe Rogan. So I don't need, the quality is good enough. I reached people. They joined my membership. They joined my team. So who... So many people do not start because they're like, I need all this professional equipment. No, you don't. Pull out your cell phone, start recording some videos. Love it. Love it. I want to be cognizant of your time here now and shift this to our last round. We call this the five toppings. Our first one is, what is your favorite book or what is a book you've read recently that's given you a paradigm shift? Yeah, absolutely. So I did mention my buddy, Vincent Puglisi. I love his book. It's actually, I'm not a big reader, unfortunately, but I do listen to a ton of like sermons, podcasts. He wrote a book this year called The Wealth of Connection. And it's basically about how everything we've done in business is wrong. We're so busy trying to sell or pitch. And it's just about creating connections with people and relationships. So I would encourage anyone to check it out. Yeah. The most successful people I see have the deepest networks. Yeah, absolutely. Our second one is, I believe that the person you become 10 years from now is directly correlated to the things you do and the habits that you have. What are some of the things you do every day? Yeah, absolutely. Some of the things I do every day is I interact on social media with people. And this is, again, not pitchy. It's just, hey, you haven't heard from me in a while. I don't even know. I'm not, even as a realtor, I'm not great at a CRM. It's, it's just organic. Hey, who haven't I heard from in a while? Let's check in. And I create content every single day for my podcast, for my membership, for social media. Even if that, that I think people will hear that and be like, oh my goodness, that sounds overwhelming. Creating content could be like, Oh, yeah, I was on a podcast interview with Matt. Here's a great episode title. I'm going to go take two minutes and record a voice memo about it for some point later. Like that. Yep. That's how easy it is. Yeah. And a five minute task will get you further in life if you just do it consistently. Absolutely. Yeah. Our third one is what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Oh, so good. I think the best piece of advice I've ever received was honestly, this sounds silly and is a little emotional. But when someone told me that like you like have gifts to be successful, right? You don't have to be like someone famous or someone, someone special to build something incredible. And again, in 2019, lost a job, lost many jobs. I had so many people that basically told me you have no value. You can't keep a job. And so I think just realizing that all of us have that have skills inside of us that someone wants to pay for social media is so funny because all of people that like can they message me they're like can you do social media coaching with me and i'm like it's not even really what i do but sure be like you need help so it's just so funny every there's a great albert einstein quote everybody's a genius if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree it'll grow up its whole life thinking it's stupid and so for me for all of you listening you have some unique value to bring to the world that you need that's probably untapped yeah, that's I couldn't set it better. One of my life goals is always to try to find that unique ability in people because I do believe everybody has something special in them and it's their story to go tell. Awesome. Our fourth one is, what's the thing you're most proud of in your life? Now, look, you're going to get me emotional. Honestly, it's so funny because it all, your first thought is always business. I think I'm most proud of like my kids and like how they're growing up and being really cool people. Like, kids are hard sometimes, but I think just seeing a little three-year-old who like right before I got on here shared a goldfish with his sister. I think as silly as that sounds, it's, you want your kids to want to like love and serve others. And so like even seeing that kind of a silly way is like really cool for me. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Our last one is if you could sit down and eat a bowl of ice cream with anyone dead or alive, who would it be and why? Yeah. I would say Abraham Lincoln. I don't know why all growing up, like I just really thought he was a really cool president, was a president during one of the hardest times in the United States. I would lo have loved to hear his story about what, you know, and I just had a lot of respect for what he did. And, and yeah, so I'd love to sit down with him. Yeah, I can 
argue that he probably had the hardest presidency of all time, at least in the history of our country. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic conversation, John. If our listeners wanted to reach out to you and learn more about you or the membership group that you have going on, where's the best place we could point them? Yeah, really, you can connect with me. Instagram, Facebook is John Shookman. And again, if you have questions about social media, please ask. I hope, if anything, even a simple message like, hey, John, heard you on Matt's show. I've been trying to do this with social media. Happy to jump on a call. There's no pitch. There's nothing to sell you. And the membership is really for realtors. But if you're interested in that or the podcast, you can go to therealestatesurvivalguide.com. All the info's there. And I just love helping people. Three years ago when I was broke, like there was so many people that like poured into me helped me, encouraged me. And so if you need some encouragement, I would love to talk to you and try to help you. And again, Matt, thank you so much for your time. And thanks for the incredible things you do to help people through your podcast. And thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. We're going to link all those in the show notes as well as the Instagram and Facebook. So if you want to reach out to John, it'll be right there. And John, thanks for being on the show. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to Ice Cream with Investors. If you like what we serve you here, it would mean the world to me if you would like, subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast app.